What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bib DeVoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Happy New Year. This is Cafe Mocha. We're doing throwback interviews with Morris Day, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis. But first up, the past few months, people have been quitting their jobs by the millions. Lonnie and I are talking about it. I don't know what they're calling the great American quit out or whatever it is. And at the head of that class is black women. Black Mm -hmm. women are like, screw this. And they're quitting their job in unbelievable numbers. And at least one of the things that I said and that I read was that part of the reason is that when these companies said, okay, you got to come back into the office, they were like, nope, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm sick of the microaggressions. I'm sick of you looking at every time I change my hair. I'm sick of you commenting on the car I drive and the purse I wear and all those little jabs that you freaking give us that you think we ain't paying attention to. I'll just stay in my house. I'll just do me. No, I mean, you are absolutely 100% correct. It is really hard going in an office with a bunch of different people if you know you're not being paid fairly if people want you to act a certain type of way, if you're not a morning person, but you got to smile and they want to know all your business Mm -hmm. and things like that. And you know what I mean? And we're not, we're not, we're not like that. We're We're not not like that. We Mm -hmm. we tend to be, you know, we want to be very private, very personal, but we, but the thing is about, especially about black women that I know is that you give us a job to do, we're going to do it. Right. And we're going to do it better than you expected. Uh, And, and turn tables and then you know, but then, you know, you don't want to give us credit for it. You give everybody else credit. You give all these other people credit, all these other races credit. But then when it comes to the black woman, it's like, we got to sit down and we, we well, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you supposed You know, it's always an excuse. And so, yeah, a lot of these sisters are getting tired. And that's why a lot of them are trying to do their own business. They're trying to make their own money, other types of ways. And that's good good for them. You don't have to, you know, be subjected to abuse. You don't have to be so, and it's not like physical abuse, but the mental, the stress, and then to not be paid what you are worth, to not be paid what you are worth. It's like, oh, okay. You know, it's just, it's bad. And then, you know, I think Gabrielle Union, as far as going back to the industry, she said it best. She said this pandemic, she said a lot of these people that, you know, you think these celebrities got money, this pandemic is tearing them up mm-hmm. because they don't have the money. They don't have, you know, they're not, they're already not paid to make to, the way they should be paid. Right. And now it's a pandemic. You know, Taraji came on our show and said it best. She said, I have to take five or six jobs just to make the salary that a lot of other, you know, actresses who don't even have her pedigree. Right. They, you you see a lot of these actors and actresses, they could. Why? Because they've been making five million a movie, 10 right. million a movie. They don't pay that to no black women. Right. 
And so that's when we talk about the pay disparities, when we talk about, and I know- Stop using big words, okay? Don't do that. (laughs) But I know that maybe the average listener is like, that's still a lot of money. But what y'all don't understand is with all of that, you have to to pay out a lot. When you say, I'm going to be my own business, to do this, to do this, this radio show, we have to pay out a lot of money. And so that means that there has to be some adjustments made. So it's not like it's like a big profit. That's what people have to understand. But the other part of it is don't look at it as, oh, Gabrielle Union made 300000 um, and I don't make that in three years. What you are supposed to look at is what Gabrielle Union co-star made. And it was 750000 So that's what we're looking at, the fact of why did she get this and, and Gabrielle got that, you know, and, and, a lot of money to, to us who makes in the tens of thousands per year. But, you know, that's not, that's not how you gauge it. No. And you, and you also have to, the reason why you don't gauge it that way is that if that person's making seven, just say, just to, to know, if they're making $75, and Gabrielle's making $35. But y'all got to realize that the team that she has to pay, mm-hmm. that's going to take about 30%. Plus, she got to make sure she look good. So that's another 10%. Then she got to pay the government, they 50%. So that's 10, 30. That's 80% that she has to pay out. 80%. Now, that person that got $75 they may have to pay 80% too, but because they get $75, they still end up with more. Yeah. Because they don't give us discounts to do stuff. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of people have to realize, why do you think when you see somebody like Chris Tucker and Chris Tucker aren't, owes $9 million, he's being sued currently, is being reported by the, the IRS for a $10 million tax lien. And people try to say, oh, but he was making $20 million a movie mm-hmm. and for a rush hour. It's like, y'all realize $20 million for him after the taxes, that he didn't pay, but somebody took his money <laughs> after his 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 team took him. Yeah. He probably was only making two million a movie. He don't have that money. Yeah, and a lot of times too, we don't eat. We're not even taught about financial literacy. Absolutely you know? not taught about financial literacy. I mean, most of us, you know, we know what our parents know. And they we know nothing because we don't have uncles and we don't have all the people. I mean, that, like, I'm talking about like when we was coming up, like us, we didn't have people that's in accounting and all of this. We're just now starting in these, these generations. And that's why I've been telling people, you know, have your kids see what what interests them. We need doctors. We need black lawyers. We need judges. We need we we have to be part of the system. People want to be mad when, the, you know, these people you know, uh, these, these judges rule for certain people. Go be a judge. Well, get in, get in the law game. I know four black judges in North Carolina right now doing amazing things. Fee all female. We need to have them on. We can't complain about the system if we're not a part of the system. So, and, and there's only one way. I mean, you know, I think it's wonderful that we have so many artistic uh, people that want to be actors and actresses and want to host podcasts and want to be basketball players and rappers and whatever. But we need, like you said, doctors and lawyers. It makes me think of, you know, the Black Wall Street in, in Durham back in the day, mm-hmm. in Durham, North Carolina. 
there, you know, there was the black insurance company and the people that ran it. There was the black bank and the people that ran it. We didn't have to do anything outside our community. The doctors, the lawyers, the accountants. We are brilliant. We are a brilliant people that unfortunately we have come to believe that we need white approval and that white is right. And if we want it done right, that we need to go to the white business. And the truth is we're brilliant and we've shown that whatever we get into, we can excel. On the way, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Come on. First time ever, I'm bad girling out. Get Jimmy off the floor. <laughs> Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on the line. I, I mean, so many hits that there's, you know, we can't even go down the list, but right. welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for having us. Well, well, before we get started with your new stuff, I just want to say that you got me through college with Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for bringing her and the control and it gave me empowerment. I went to an HBCU. So to have this moment with you too, I just yes. get emotional. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate that. Glad, like that, like that. Absolutely. We're, talking, we're talking to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And so I want to go back even further because mm-hmm. obviously everybody remembers when the first time album came out mm. and we flipped mm-hmm. it over yes. and we saw these two cool cats. I mean, yes. all you guys were cool. But, <laughs> um, Jam, take us back to the early days and, and, you know, when you went from musicians to like superstars. <laughs> Like we're always superstars. We were always superstars. They were born superstars. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I think we, um, first of all, we all grew up knowing each other and playing together back in Minneapolis. It was a very competitive music scene. I know anybody that saw the movie Purple Rain knows that there was sort of the battle of the bands and all the competing bands and stuff. That's the way we grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince and Morris Day had a band together. Um, I was in a band of my own. Terry Lewis had a band of his own. And everybody was all competing for those spots. And eventually Morris and Prince joined together. Um, uh, well, well, Morris and us joined together, actually, in, in the time. Um, but it was all just very competitive and stuff. So we were known and, and it was all about really the competition. And then when we, Prince and Time, we toured together and every night we were trying to, you know, kick Prince's ass. I mean, that was our, our thing we were trying to do. <laughs> And, uh, and, and some nights we were successful, some we weren't, but it was a great learning experience. And for us, it never was about trying to be famous or anything or trying to be stars. It was just doing what we love to do, which was be around our friends and just play music and try to make the best music we possibly could. But the early days was great. It was a lot of fun. And we're friends with those, all those people, you know, even up to now. I mean, so it was great. But uh, Terry, uh being black men in this industry and making it and still having a legacy. Can you talk about, you know, any type of struggles that you all had to go through just to, you know, get signed and how did you guys start working together? As a black man, I certainly can speak to that. Uh, (laughs) Struggles. It's the same struggles that any black man goes through. I mean, you have your, your, your struggles within your own community, but then you have the extra struggles uh, that come from other parts of the community. Uh, in Minneapolis, we had a, a lot of black musicians, but we had very little, 
opportunity in in terms of places to play. Mm. So we had to create our own business models and, and we'd print up flyers and we'd rent like hotel bar rooms or we do deals with uh, different venues that, hey, we'll take the door and you take the bar kind of deals. And we'd have to make our own gigs because there was just not enough places for us to play. But, you know, you roll those things over into your future and those things give you a good business kind of acumen that you take forward. And we actually use all those skills that we learned back as kids today as businessmen. So, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's what we say. That's right. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo on the line, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I mean, just umpteenth years worth of hits Mm -hmm. on the line right here. You, You know what I wanted to ask them? Who created the look of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? Because that's such a signature look. The Blues Brothers, uh, the Blues Brothers stole it. They stole it. (laughs) Say that. Yeah, the the Blues Brothers stole it from us, actually. But uh, no, uh, no. Listen, when we were growing up, we always wanted to try to look nice. We always were trying to be in suits and that kind of stuff. And honestly, we couldn't afford anything. So what we used to do is we used to go to thrift shops back in the day. And we could, you could buy a suit for maybe $10, $15, go have it tailored up really nice. And the same with hats. You know, I have, I remember Terry Lewis back when he was like, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. I got a picture in the studio of him with his red, black, and green base. And he's got his fedora on. So we, that was always just our style. And we just decided to carry it forward. We just thought it was a classy style to have and a timeless style to have. So we just kind of stuck with it over the years and it's kind of become our signature. And you were right. I yeah. mean, yeah. it still works. Right. You have to wear the clothes. You can't let the clothes wear you. So that's <laughs> fashion is where style meets personality that creates fashion. So the yeah. clothes fit us. And yeah. they look good. And I knew that's why I said, I said the blues brothers, you know, the white people always take his stuff from us. They just, <laughs> Like, I was like, really, really, y'all? So, but, I, you know, still to this day, when we see you all, we know that that is Jam and Lewis. Now, uh, let's talk about the current single, He Don't Know Nothing About It, featuring your longtime producer, Kenny Babyface Edmonds. How did this come about, Terry? What? Oh, Jam, go ahead. I'll let you speak. Oh, really? Oh, thank you, Terry Lewis. Um, <laughs> I feel like I speak all the time. I like I like hearing Terry speak. I do anyway, too. Um, yeah, me too. I, I'm telling you, I tell, Terry's the smartest man always in any room. That's why I like to hear him talk. I like to just absorb it. But um, no, the combination with Babyface was really like um, it was something we had always wanted to do, and um, we just never got around to doing it. It's kind of like the whole project was like that. And so we finally, the Soul Train Awards, we were honored to get the award uh, from Babyface, actually presented us with an award, um, which was very cool. And we started talking about, we should get together and do something. And we finally made that happen. And it was interesting because in the days now that we live in where, you know, it's basically verses and everybody was saying, y'all should do a verses against each other or whatever. And we were like, "Uh, no, we'd rather just team up and do a little something and see where that leads us. And um, we're really happy about it. And the other thing that's cool about it for us is that Babyface let us produce him. You know, it was like uh, normally he produces his own stuff. So when we were in the studio and he'd start singing and then he'd stop himself and go, wait, wait, let me get that again. And we go, no, no, just sing, man. We got you. We got you. So 
it took it took a little bit for for that to happen, but he did. We got him to play guitar. He wanted to hire a different guitar player to come in and play, and we kind of tricked him. We just said, "Oh, just go ahead and put a couple parts down, just for to give us a guide on what to do." And then we just left those parts on the record and turned them up. So, like all the guitars and everything you hear on the record, everything on that song that you hear is all basically just Babyface, uh, along with Terry and I producing and playing a little bit of keyboards and stuff. But it was great working with him. He was fantastic. Cafe Mocha, Happy New Year. It's Angelique, Lonnie, Love, and Yo-Yo on the line. <sighs> hit after hit after right. hit. Sam and Terry Lewis dating all the way back to, you know, I remember what I consider the first album, the time is when I was introduced to you, you know, uh-huh. all the Janet Jackson stuff. But let me let me ask you about the transition from becoming musicians to right. producers. Uh, you know, the kids know all your music because I shouldn't say the kids, the world knows all your music yes. because you've got 30 years of it. But when did you guys go, eh, you know, I think we'll just, I shouldn't say just produce, just produce some major hits, but we're going to, we're going to sit in the back and we're going to make, make hits. Yeah. Well, the, producing came about as a, a, almost a necessity because I mean, if you if you think of anything that you've developed over your life, we're musicians first. Right. We're songwriters second, and we're producers third. Mm. The only reason we started producing is because we would write songs and then other people would try to produce them, but they would never come out the way we would want them to. So, like, young black man from the hood from the projects, I didn't even know what a producer was. Mm-hmm. You know, you read the credits, wow. but you just you you don't know all the particulars. So, you know, we would give songs to people and they would come back and we'd say, man, we could have did this. We could have did that. We should have did it like this and whatever should have happened. So then we had to learn the craft ourselves. Right. And back back in the day we started, there were no synthesizers. There were no drum machines. Mm-hmm. So you actually had to know how to express music. Uh, vernacular, you had to be able to speak music to people. So we had to learn that whole process of how to speak to other musicians. And it, there, you couldn't do it all by yourself unless you were Prince at the time. Uh, <laughs> because he, he actually played every instrument formally, and then he learned all the synthesizers to actually make it all work. Mm. So, you mm. know, for us, it was just how we had to do things back in the time that we had to learn how to produce in order to get our songs across the way we wanted them to. It's Cafe Mocha on the line, Jam and Lewis. Their current single is He Don't Know Nothing About It, featuring longtime producer Kenny Babyface Edmonds. You know, I'm going to ask this because I may never get to interview you all ever again. You've been friends for how many years? And how do you keep that friendship going? It's a new year. We need to talk more about friendship, especially between Black men. Just your thoughts on it. Well, I've known Terry. I think we met back in, uh, we're debating whether it was 72 or 73. So it <laughs> wow. was back in the day. Um, and um, But really, first of all, it was, I have to say it was love at first sight when we met each other. We, um, I saw Terry Lewis playing a, a cool in the gang bass part. And I just said, I got to get to know this brother. Like some about him is just cool. I think Terry saw me playing the piano. He always says it's for a bunch of girls or something. He's got some sort of story like that. But anyway, we just were attracted to each other. And then we were in competing bands for a long time. 
um, as I mentioned earlier. And but every time it wasn't like we were getting mad at each other. We were admiring each other. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Terry's band would kick my band and I'd be like, yeah, that's Terry, man. Band's really good or whatever. So we finally got together. And our, our, and our really our relationship is built on respect. That's the, always the biggest part of it. And also, when you think back on it, and the 40-some years we've been together and known each other, we've never had an argument. And a lot of people get, well, why didn't you ever have an argument? How could that be? And I said, because an argument is something you're trying to win. So when you're having an argument with somebody and you're trying to win something, that isn't what we were trying to do. We were always trying to come up with a solution to maybe a disagreement. We might have a disagreement about something, and that's different because now we can find a solution to it. Right. So that's the way we always looked at it. And then we took it out of like, who's, what was the best way? It was all about the best way of getting things done. It wasn't my like way. It that. wasn't his way. What's the best way? And that's the way we approach it. And we also shook hands. Business-wise, we shook hands uh, when we first you know, got together business-wise. We basically shook hands. We said 50-50. And that eliminated everything that we could ever argue about because nobody's worried about hey, it's my song, but that's my lyric, but that's my melody, but that's my bridge, but that's my, you know, there's none of that conversation. It's just about, let's go make great music if we can. Fantastic. You, you know what I love so much? I mean, first of all, um, this is currently blowing my mind, the um, Jam, Lewis, and Babyface, um, he don't know nothing about it song, first of all. The song is amazing. All of my DJ friends sent it to me. And uh, I had one of my friends send it to me and was like, yo, yo, this is really hot. Have you heard it? And it's, it's, I'm so grateful to um, speak to you guys. Congratulations on, you know, just your amazing success in the industry and to be able to continue to push out hits and to continue work together as brothers is something that the industry really admires, I know. Well, I heard you guys, are, um, you've been in studio with Yolanda Adams. Is the, please say that's true. That's, that's an <laughs> absolute fact. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> We used to say back in the old day, a true fact. <laughs> a true <laughs> fact. <laughs> so are we looking at some um, some something for the new year? Absolutely. Yes. Yolanda is one of, one of the best ever. And man, we have so much fun recording with her. We're just glad that she's back in the studio, ready to make some new music. We're really excited. I don't, guys, I don't mean to be salty, but I bought, <laughs> I bought two uh -oh. sets. No, three. Wait, hold it. Three sets of Janet Jackson concert tickets for her last mm -hmm. tour. I haven't seen her uh -huh. yet. All right, she, went, she went off, got pregnant. Then Sound a little salty <laughs> to me. Sound a little salty. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there, I mean, when it comes to Janet, will there be any upcoming music? I know it's hard to talk about touring right now, but do we see any touring in the future? I, should I make a fourth purchase of Janet tickets? <laughs> Well, I want to know. Well, you should definitely you should definitely make a fourth purchase of Janet tickets when they come when they become available. And of course, that'll be a great day because that'll mean that uh, we're past the uh, you know the worst of the pandemic. And but I would bet definitely on some new music from Janet. Uh, and um, you know, I, I think look forward to it because I, I think do. she has a lot to say. She's in the she's in the part of her career that I always like to say she has nothing to prove but a lot to say. Right. And if you Definitely. think about all of her records over the years, they've always been a commentary, if you will, on things that are happening in the world, things that are happening in her personal life. 
and always with the thought of kind of trying to bring people together um, and do great things. So I think I would expect that. I would I would hope that that's going to happen. You can't tell me talking to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis doesn't make you nostalgic for the time. Well, coming up, lead singer of the time, Morris Day. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Funky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Cafe Mocha with the throwback interview from Morris Day. Oh, this is music royalty, y'all. Definitely. Can, can you just squawk for us? Can you just introduce yourself, <laughs> Mr. Day? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Morris Day is on the line. Thank you for joining us on Cafe Mocha. Hey, thanks for having me. We are so excited, first of all, that you're with us, but also that uh, you will be uh, having your own unsung program on TV One. Uh, How excited are you about it? Well, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, um, they, um, you know, they, uh, it's it's a great show. You know, they uh, they showcase your life in a very positive way. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Is there any juicy details like you know, <laughs> your hair or something like that? Well, the juicy part is I'm gonna be there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they sent me on and told me they don't want me to talk about nothing. They don't want me to let nothing out the bag except okay. it's gonna be it's gonna be off the chain. That's all. <laughs> well, you know, I gotta tell you, I remember getting the Times first album. And back then you listened to a cut here, a cut there. But that whole album from mm-hmm. the first song to the last was just incredible mm-hmm. I mean period well, I appreciate that <laughs> period I don't even know what question to ask about the music of that day do you miss that do you miss 
the beauty and the the simplicity of what you guys were doing back then? Well, yeah, you know, um, it was definitely a different way of making music because, uh, you know, especially on the first two records, everything you heard, it was real. You know, if you heard hand claps, that means there was, you know, we were doing multiple tracks of us clapping all the way through the song, you know, uh, with the snare and, um, you know, real drums and, and uh, everything was just, you know, real. So um, it's, it's quite different. I mean, I make music different these days myself, you know, but um, everything we did back then was just the real deal. And, you know, I do miss that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Morris, I can remember uh, going to see the time in concert and mm-hmm. I'll never forget you were singing uh, Gigolos Get Lonely too. And then you threw that <laughs> money out there. And when you, I was like, I was trying to reach for that money. I think I got like a dollar. I was so happy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. We used to do things like that back in the day. Well, that was showmanship. And that's what I think Angelique was talking about. It's like you you all would give a full show with, you know, with the the costumes, with the music, you know, with um, the antics. It was just like that was just a process. Now, did you come up with that or was that a whole collaborative effort? Well, you know, that was just really um, it was just like us, you know, really trying to figure out how we wanted to present ourselves. You know, we always wanted to do the suits. You know, I kind of grew up looking at uh, pictures of my grandfather and my uncles. And, you know, even back in the day, they had like a cab stand. They're entrepreneurs, but my grandfather was always just sharp, you know, overcoats, hats, you know, he was, you know, shoes shined up. And, you know, I I was kind of like, I kind of want to look like that, you know, when I grow up. And so, you know, when, when we st- got going, you know, we just decided that we were going to do the zoot suits. Uh, that's kind of how it started out and just kind of evolved to the pimp suit. And, um, you know, we just kind of kept it going like that. But we always put the emphasis on showmanship. We always wanted to have a good show. We wanted the music to be on point. We had the best musicians. And, you know, we had, I think, the one of the best looks, if not the best looks. So, you know, we were just all about the stage, you know, aside from, you know, making good music in the studio as well. Mr. Day, is there any artists out there today that reminds you of you and your group? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I get that question a lot. And I, I hear people kind of bring up Bruno Mars a lot, uh, you know, and um, I'm cool with that because he's a talented brother. And, um, you know, you know, he's a, he's a very talented dude. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, but I, if I had to say someone, someone close, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, the way he's putting it down. Okay. Go, go, go Bruno. <laughs> got some good taste. Bruno got some good taste chasing after Morris day. <laughs> there you go. On the line, we're talking to Morris day of the time. Morris Day, so unsung. I know people are probably saying Morris Day is not unsung. Why did you say yes to unsung? I guess, I guess you know when I hear the name unsung, you know I think about maybe folks who just you know still doing their thing, but you know not maybe doing it like they were, you know like right, you know in heavy rotation on the radio and things like that. So you know, um, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, think it was a bad thing necessarily, and. Um, you know, I, I watched some of the episodes that they've done, and I kind of like the way they tell their story. So, 
you know, I thought it'd be a good thing. I think it's really good because it gives you a history and it always says it always gives you something that maybe you don't know mm-hmm. about the artist. Um, and it actually pays homage to the artist. And I think you've been long overdue with that, Morris. I mean, you've provided so much to us as far as music and, you know, comedy and music, the looks, the style. So I'm just thrilled to see it. Um, just give us just a little bit of what we can maybe expect. I know you're going to be talking about Prince, right? Well, you know, it's it's not that I'm going to be talking about Prince. It's that people ask me about Prince. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's just something I can't get around, you know, so, and I have no problem with that, but no, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty good coverage. You know, I have the book out called On Time, A Princely Life in Funk. So, that's really like chron- that really chronicles my career and my early life and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of like that, you know. It's 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 really going to be about about my early life. It's going to be about uh, uh, my life, early life in music with Prince. It's going to be about my family life and all of that good stuff. So you know, it's it's I think it's going to be very interesting. Talking about your early life, we had Jam and Lewis on not very long ago, and you know they were talking about the days in the club and making music. And what are your fond memories of the early days before you guys got big, and you were just thinking about thinking about getting into music? Yeah, well, you know, um, I've pretty much been doing music uh, since the day I uh, came into the world, and um, you know, some of my really fond memories are the early days with um when when jam and lewis had their band flight time and uh prince and uh, and myself andre simone we had grand central and um you know we both were bands on the north side and back then there were bands every few blocks so you know it was highly competitive and uh jam and lewis's band and and our band were the top two bands and uh there was one other band called the the um the family they're called Back to Black, and you know, the family, but not the family that Prince ended up uh, forming later on. But, um, you know, we were all fighting for the gigs, you know, and we doing Battle of the Bands, and sometimes we get the best of them, They sometimes we get the best of us, but, you know, it was just all about music 24-7. You know, we rehearsed uh, when we, you know, it was cold in Minneapolis, so, you know, we rehearsed when it was cold all winter long, and we came out summer, you know, banging. So uh, it was, you know, it was just a good time. Well, you know, um, last question, Mr. Day, you know, there's a lot of um, successful movies, TV movies, movies about bands. I would love to see um, one on the time. Do you think that that'll be in the works real soon? I like that idea. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to start working on that. (laughs) I think it would be a sure enough hit. It would. Wouldn't it, Rio-Yo? Yes, I, I agree. Executive produced by. Exactly. Uh-oh. Okay. We already we already working together, you know. That's the, right. Uh, that's right. We, we done teamed up. <laughs> March twenty first, this Sunday, season eleven premieres of the TV One's Unsung, featuring Morris Day. We cannot wait for this. Morris, thank you so much for taking time to talk to Cafe Mocha. We will all be watching, and we're going to be waiting on the on the time TV movie. <laughs> yes. yes, we're working on that. We're working on that. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so thank much. You. Stay safe. If you haven't seen it already, check out Morris Day on TV One's Unsung. This is Cafe Mocha. You can follow us on all platforms at 
Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha taking you from R&B hit makers to Broadway superstar. Last year, we sat down with Tony Award-winning actress and R&B singer Melba Moore. She's done Broadway. I saw her there when I was a little girl. Soul, R&B, pop, rock, jazz, gospel, classical. Please welcome the incomparable Melba Moore to Cafe Mocha. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I can't live up to that intro. No. You can't to us. You know what? What I love about you, Miss Moore, is that, you know, especially we were just talking about this, um, Yo-Yo and I, about how great you are on social media, especially Instagram. Um, And it's like, it's nice to see because, you know, a lot of people will try to forget, you know, our legends. It's like, I just appreciate people like you and Dionne Warwick, you know, using technology to, you know, to, to, to stay in the know and it, it keeps the fan base going, but it also introduces you to a whole new fan base. How does that feel? It feels like I get a little help from my youngins. (laughs) 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 They keep me attached. I'm very, very, very grateful. Uh, Ron and I have been together for a few years now. And so we've seen the internet come a long, long way. And I'm I'm really praising God that we kept trying to keep up because we're right in the middle of Main Street traffic. I'm grateful. Definitely. Now you have a single out called Just Doing Me. Tell us about it. Well, it's it's a a house dance song. It's written by George Pettis out of Texas. And he has this wonderful jazz uh, channel solo in the middle of it. And it's uh, produced by uh, Terry Hunter. But in the middle of it, they let me give my testimony. I said, is this a dance record or a church record? What is this? <laughs> what kind of testimony are you giving, Miss Moore? Well, first of all, the, the music sounded so fresh to me and so unlike anything that I had ever done before. And it had been a long time. You know, it's a new industry. So before, you, your record company only let you do what they wanted you to do with whatever producers and when they wanted you to put it out. But now that you're in charge, you can do several projects. So by the time they did what they wanted to do to it, George and uh, Terry, and I, I heard it on the internet, I thought, that's nice. Who's that saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's a look back at our interview with Melba Moore. This is Cafe Mocha. I mentioned at the top of this that I saw you when I was the very first Broadway play I saw was Timbuktu. Oh, wow. I was Ooh. so young and it was so over my head, but it formed this thing for me with Broadway where I'm still passionate about it. I still go and spend tons of money. And, you know, as we talk about Broadway and, well, everything in diversity, um, what do you think of the efforts that Broadway's making to tell more Black stories, to be more inclusive? You think they're doing a good enough job? Well, they'll never do any more than we make them do, but that's okay. There's been much breakthrough, but it's been very, very, very hard one. But anything precious, you got to fight for it. I'm very pleased to see Tina Turner's story on, the Motown version of Ain't Too Proud to Beg. It's really beautiful because it's the way we do our thing, and we're the uh, foundation of world culture, especially musically. Oh, we're having a wonderful conversation with the one and only Melba Moore, talking everything about being an artist in this industry. And what Mm -hmm. I really like about you is like what you said, Miss Moore, is that, you know, you're just doing you. And when you have this talent, (laughs) can't nobody deny that. Can't nobody deny that talent. I, I get excited about trying to be a good example 
for you, you youngins, because, you know, what I realized, especially from being in the, in the, uh, the classroom, mm-hmm. especially with, with the younger kids, like I, I taught uh, kindergarten through the 12th grade, all of the grades. And of course, junior high is just hell. What can I tell you? When they look at you, they, they look through you. They really see. And you can tell maybe because I'm an artist, too. I, I can relate that way. But point is this. Whether you want to be or not, you're a role model. I get excited when I hear you young ladies say that you admire something that I do because I feel like I'm setting an example for integrity, not just that I hopefully can sing well. If you had a bullhorn, what's one thing you would shout out loud to the audience? Just do you. (laughs) (laughs) You have been hanging out with the audience. Just do you. Oh, Melvin. It's been such a pleasure going down memory lane with you. Um, just thank you for hanging out with us. And it was just a wonderful conversation. Yeah. Yes, it was. Melba, you want to sing something for us? No. <laughs> you want to sing something for us, Melba? No. <laughs> thank you. Beautiful. You. <laughs> Love you, Melba. Take care. Thank you. Love you, girl. Thank you. The great Melba Moore. Just one of the many cool celebrity interviews we did last year. We've got so much more to come in 2022. Uh, If you want to get caught up on Cafe Mocha, just go to iTunes or Spotify. Type in Cafe Mocha Radio and subscribe. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.